0: The name of this morning's message is, I will not leave you. Wherever each of us has been, wherever we are going as God's people at St. Augustine's Church, God's promise is, I will never leave you. But in this morning's Old Testament lesson, those words are on Elisha's lips. And not just once, but three times. As we talked about yesterday at The Quiet Morning, there's significance to the numbers in scripture stories, just like I often use the number 50 billion to mean a lot. The authors of Bible stories use, the, use numbers like 3 and 40 as symbols. We talked about Jonah in the belly of the fish a few weeks ago for three days. And today, as Elijah and Elisha move around Israel, the promised land of God, there are three stops, three times that Elisha says yes. Do you remember another time in scripture when someone is asked to uh, follow or affirm his convictions three times? And maybe he doesn't say yes each time. Peter. Peter during the passion. 3 is a symbol of being complete, full, whole. God is 3 in 1. Jesus is in the tomb 3 days. People are often asked the same question in scripture 3 times. It's kind of it's the kind of thing that God does. Is there perhaps another 3 that's close to each of our hearts? 3 communities? merged into one? St. Augustine's. The point here in this conversation in 2 Kings is that Elisha is given opportunities to say no, to change his mind, and he affirms his chosen path three times. It's a way of communicating, I'm all in, I will not leave, and I mean it. As the Lord lives, he says, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. I'm going with you, Elijah. I'm going wherever you're headed, even if it's to the end of the earth. I'm not going to let you get away. I'm not going to let the mission that you've been carrying, God's mission, fail and fall. I'm taking up responsibility for this too. I'm committing myself. I'm putting it on my own shoulders, Elisha says. So to be clear, Elijah is this great old legendary prophet. He is the one who went up against the evil King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Elijah is the prophet who prayed that it wouldn't rain for two years and who proved that God was real and most powerful by soaking the altar sacrifice he offered so much that there was a moat around the altar and God still burned it all up. Elijah is the prophet who was so exhausted that he went up to a mountain cave and was like, God, I'm done. Take me now. And God came to him in the sound of sheer silence. So Elisha, Elisha is the apprentice, his most persistent disciple. God had done great and fearsome things through Elijah. And in today's lesson, it's time for Elijah to rest. It's truly time for his ministry to come to an end. So in this last day of his ministry, he and his apprentice apprentice start out at the beginning, the beginning of the Israelites' story in the Promised Land at Gilgal, where scripture says this duo had just left when we're at the beginning of our reading That's where the Israelites encamped when they just crossed the Jordan River. It's the place in their history and relationship with God where he had led them through the waters and brought them safely into the promised land itself. It was the beginning, in a way. It was the new start, washed by the Jordan River, stepping fresh feet on the ground God was holding for his people. So here, Elijah says, Elisha, stay here. This is good enough. Just hang out here while I go to Bethel. Elisha is not content to stay at the starting line. He knows his call is not to sit still by the river. He is determined to go on to Bethel. So they go. Bethel is where our forefather, Jacob, spent the night before he met his brother Esau for the first time in years. This was the brother who he'd violently wronged in stealing his inheritance when they were young men. Jacob wrestled with an angel there and saw a ladder rising up to heaven. It was at Bethel that night that Jacob's name was changed from Jacob, which means trickster, to Israel, which means God wins. Elijah and Elisha arrive at Bethel, where humanity struggled with God, and God won. <clears throat> this is where the name and the fortune of the father of this nation, and through him, the name, identity, and fortune of all of God's people to come, was changed. From this place, Beth, El, the house of God, Elijah is called on. Again, he tells Elisha to stay here. Hang out in Bethel. This is enough. I'm called on, Elijah says, but that doesn't mean that you have to go. Stay here in the house of God. This is a good place. There's good work to do here. This is a place to struggle with God. This is a place where God has done good work and will interact and struggle with you. God will win. Stay here where God wins. But again, Elisha says, I'm not going to leave you. <coughs> Wherever it is that you're going, I'm going too. This is a good place, an important stop, but it's not the end of the road. I'm going to the end of the road. Your road is my road. I imagine Elijah shaking his head and trudging on, Elisha following along like a persistent puppy or an insistent toddler that I know. Next, Elijah is called to Jericho. This is where Joshua led God's people in a miraculous victory. The city was an impossible obstacle in the path of the people of God who were taking their journey to the prom- in the promised land. I wonder if you've ever gotten stuck against a wall of an impossible obstacle. I wonder if you might be staring at an impossible wall right now a big old tower in your path, and there doesn't seem to be any way around it. Elijah tells his apprentice, stay here. I'm called further. We know the end of the story at Jericho, that this wall crumbles, that God takes the obstacle away. Stay here where you enjoy miraculous victory. This is a good place. But one more time, Elisha decides not to stay in the charted territory of sure success. He chooses to soldier on into the unknown with Elijah. Finally, Elijah is called to the Jordan River. He's been moving back through the whole history of the relationship between God and his people on this sacred land. He's been watching his whole life flash before his eyes. In a way, of course, Elijah himself wasn't there for the battle of Jericho or the wrestling with the angel or the first crossing of the Jordan at Gilgal. But Elijah's life is so wrapped up in the life of the people who he serves, so intertwined with the story of the Israelites, that their story is his story. So on this last day of his time on earth, he walks himself back through all these stages and promises and miracles, all these times that God has shown up for his people in staggering and undeniable ways. And Elisha wants to drink all of that in. Elisha wants that life too. Elisha wants to know the story of Israel and of God in his bones. Elisha wants to know wherever God leads and to lead God's people wherever they're supposed to go. So the great old prophet and his young apprentice cross the Jordan together. Do you remember something else that happened in the Jordan River? Jesus was baptized in it, as we read last month. And as I've already covered this morning, it's the boundary the Israelites crossed to get into the promised land. Did you notice that Elijah did some of the same things to the water that Moses did at the Red Sea? Water figures pretty prominently here in the story. And if you think about it, water figures prominently in all of scripture. There's creation way back at the beginning with God separating the waters and then the flood, and then the Red Sea, where Moses helps the Hebrew people to leave Egypt, and then the Jordan, where the Hebrew people come into their own land, and then there's baptism, and then there's the blood and water that comes out of Jesus's side at his death, and there's the water that he washes the disciples' feet with. Water, water everywhere, right? The other element that we see a lot of in scripture is fire and that's where we end today. Elijah is taken up in a fiery chariot. There's also the fire that came down from heaven when Elijah asked God to burn up the soggy sacrifice earlier in the books of Kings. There's the burning bush where Moses is called into ministry by God. There's the pillar of fire that led the Israelites through their 40 years in the desert. There's all that talk about Jesus being the light of the world. There's the parables about the oil lamps and the wise and the foolish bridesmaids. There's the candle that we light for each person who is baptized. There's the light that burns day and night here by the tabernacle where the consecrated bread stays. There's the first light of the vigil at Easter. There's the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts, like tongues of fire. And not least, there is the great light described in the transfiguration story in the gospel. Fire, candles, and light are something used in scripture stories to point and highlight something else, Jesus, as the light of the world, isn't about looking at the bones and muscles of the person who is shining, but about the reality of God in and with humanity, in the bones and muscles of that particular person, Jesus. And even more, the events and situations and words and works that his life points to. The fire of the burning bush isn't at all about the bush, but about getting Moses' attention so that God can talk to him, can teach him. The candle that burns here isn't about the candle itself, but about the thing it draws attention to, the body of Christ, the living God dwelling, staying, walking in our midst. And that is what Elisha stays for. Elisha moves through the starting line at Gilgal. He keeps going when he comes to the place of struggle and the house of God. He doesn't stay where the wall crumbled in miraculous victory. He doesn't stop at the purifying and quenching water. He goes all the way to the fire. He keeps his eyes open, determined not to look away. I will not leave you. Through all these things, God has been with his people. And from the very starting line, through all the obstacles, floods, crumbling walls, fording of rivers, and coming of fire into your very own life, God promises to be with you too. More than that, God promises to be with us all. God is not finished at St. Augustine's yet. And as we look to 2018, we too are being called to move, to not stay at the starting line where the congregation began four years ago, to not turn away at the big towering obstacles of money and changing leadership and dear loved ones dying, to not drown in crossing the river of details or distractions or dissension, but like Elijah, to walk through each one of those places together, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to each other in prayer and food and sitting together in silence, and always to journey together toward the light, toward the fire, to be focused and keeping our eyes open on the warmth and the burning and the salvation of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.